Amen. I mean, I was just thinking there as we were worshiping and we heard about Bill's testimony. It's just, isn't it incredible to think that the God who is able to do miracles, the God is able to create stars and universes and galaxies, he's my God. He wants a personal relationship with you and me. I mean, the God in his infinite power and infinite wisdom still cares about us so much that he's willing to heal and to move in power because he cares about you and he cares about me. That when we pray, we don't pray to some unknown God and hope he hears, but we pray to a God we know who hears us when we pray. He's desperate for our attention. That just makes me, I mean, it is so humbling to think that the God who's able to do all of that cares about you and cares about me. Wow. So we can sing, my God is great. Not just God is great, but my God is great. Great job, Gary Allison and Jillian and Bill. Well, it's great to be with you. It's an honor to share with you wherever you're watching this from. We appreciate you, Ollie. We, take, we appreciate you taking the time to watch. You can feel free to comment and share. But we would love to see you in person at one of our in-person services if you're able to make it. We would love it if you could connect with us because it would just be great. We love online, but I'm biased because online is great, but in-person is definitely better. So we would love for you to come along. But we're thankful that you watch online. And this year we're looking at health matters As you, if you've been following Church, and we've shared on so many different aspects of health matters. And if you've been following our daily readings at New Life this week, you will realize that we've been reading about a guy called Absalom. And I want to look at Absalom's life a little bit, or the parts that are recorded in the Bible, and just share two things that I think we can learn from Absalom so that we can live a healthy life that God wants us to live. We don't really know a lot about Absalom other than he's charismatic. He's, uh, he's regarded in some of the verses that we're not going to read today. It says he's the most handsome man in all of Israel. And we know that he was very much loved by his father who was King David. But we don't know much about Absalom's background. We find him first mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And he has a sister called Tamar who is attacked by one of their half-brothers, Ammon. And basically in the story... Afterwards, we find that Absalom protects Tamar. She goes and lives in his house and he looks after her and protects her. But what happens is Absalom allows, Absalom, sorry, allows hate to enter his heart. And I'm going to read some verses from 2 Samuel chapter 13, picking up in verse 20. And I'm going to read through to verse 28. But he allows hate to enter his heart and it leads to him making some decisions which affect the life that he lives. But it says here that her brother, this is Tamar, her brother Absalom saw her and asked, is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. No, Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this. He hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Balhazor near Ephraim, 
Absalom invited all the king's son to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, my sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, no, my son, if we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well then, Absalom said, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon? The king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk, then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid, I'm the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So Absalom signaled, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on the mules and fled. We find this situation where Absalom is really angry and I would probably say he's quite right to be angry about what's happened. But Absalom makes a decision that he's going to retaliate. Now retaliation as defined in the dictionary is the action of harming someone because they have harmed oneself. Or it says retaliation is revenge. And the thing about retaliation is retaliation always leads to more destruction and more pain. In fact, oftentimes in life, retaliation is greater than the initial action. Now, I'm not trying to minimize what's happened here to Tamar, but the reality is it leads to Absalom making a decision to kill someone because of an injustice. You see, hurt people hurt people. And now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that there is not a place for justice. I'm not saying that there aren't times where sometimes we have to do something. But really, what I think we can learn from Absalom here is that what the Bible teaches us is that if our response to things in life is to gain revenge or to cause harm to someone else, then it's the opposite of what God calls us to do. You see, our response should not be like the natural response of others. Jesus, at his weakest point in the Garden of Gethsemane, as it's recorded, he's been betrayed by one of his best friends. He could have said, A2, Judas. Yeah, no Shakespeare. But, that, but he turns and Jesus, in his weakest moment, knowing that he's about to go to the cross, Peter, one of his disciples, takes out his sword in retaliation. And Jesus says, Peter, No. Because that's not how we're called to live. Paul in 2 Timothy 4.14, near the end of his life, he's been abandoned by everyone and he says, Alexander the coppersmith, who has done me great harm, may God repay him for what he's done. Why? Because Paul's learned that retaliation is not how we're called to live. We're not called to seek revenge. You see, when we take matters into our own hands, what happens is we end up causing more pain and more destruction to those around us and to ourselves. You know, we often sing a song, we haven't sang it today, but we sing about how the battle belongs to God. You see, so often things can happen to us life that we would never pick, we would never ask for, and more often than not, they're not even our fault. And I'm not trying to minimize in any way, shape, or form the stuff that we deal with. But my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we'll make a decision not to retaliate. And I know more than, not more than anyone else, but I know that I need God's help with this. 
Because my initial reaction is always to retaliate. I grew up with a little sister and we would antagonize one another all the time. And the reality is every time she would wind me up, I would just wind her up even more. And it just escalated and escalated and escalated until eventually we either broke something or we got into more trouble than what we would have done if we had just let it go. But the reality is in life, people are going to mock us. People will lie about us. People will hurt us and mistreat us and if we're not careful we can become just like Absalom who for two years let this hate enter his heart until it got to a point where he took matters into his own hand so my prayer is that we will be people who don't retaliate but our response will be to trust that God is able to sort everything out you see we we can make a choice to honor and to love and to live peaceably. As Jesus says, we can turn the other cheek. Not because it's easy, not because it feels good, not even because immediately God will sort it out right in that moment because sometimes that's not how it works. In fact, sometimes we can turn the other cheek and the person's never sorry even when we walk away. We can choose to forgive people and yet they're never ever sorry. But if we want to live a life of health spiritually that God calls us to live, then we have to make this choice that I'm not going to retaliate. Because when we choose to retaliate, we are not allowing God to deal with us or to deal with the situation. And I know in my life, every time, I don't remember a single time in my life where I've retaliated or seek revenge where it's turned out well. It never, ever does. This week you might face situations, you might be facing situations right now that just make you angry, where you just want to go and say something, you just want to go and dishonor, and you might even want to hit someone. But my prayer is that instead of doing that, we'll choose to just walk away, to get down on our knees and say, God, the battle belongs to you. This is not fair. This is unjust. But God, I'm trusting that you're in control. I'm trusting that you're going to work all things out for my good. Why? Because you're in control. And I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. God, I can trust you that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I don't want to allow hate to enter my heart. I want to give it to you. And it's not easy at all. Anyone who knows me will know that I love Martin Luther King Jr., uh, like I've made no secret of my love and admiration for him. In higher history in school, we'd done the civil rights movement and I just came alive. I loved studying it. I pictured myself at his speeches. I, in fact, I play a video game. I love video games. Uh, one of the video games I play is called Fortnite and all the young people are like, whoop, whoop. And, uh, but recently they had part of the game was Martin, to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I think it's called in America, or Martin Luther King Jr. Weekend. They showed within the game the speech and I was watching it and they had the subtitles and it was just so inspiring. It made me feel like I was there. But two of the things he said, not in that speech, but at different times, it really inspired me when he says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And he also said, the old law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth just leaves everybody blind and toothless. And those are two phrases that he said that I just, they inspire me because if anyone had any right to retaliate, 
in human terms. If anyone had any right to be righteously angry and get violent and get aggressive, it was Martin Luther King Jr. But he made a decision that that is not how we're called to live. And actually his life and his words and his speeches and his movement was far more powerful than any form of hatred or violence or anything like that. You see, we can choose how we respond. And my prayer is that we will choose not to retaliate. We won't look for revenge, but actually we'll get on our knees and say, God, I need you to help me to forgive. I need you to help me to be at peace. I need you to help me, God, because I can't do this myself. And then we can trust God, and it might take months, it might take years, it might take decades. In fact, it might take an entire lifetime. But I believe if we make a choice to not be, don't retaliate, don't be like Absalom, then I believe we can see the power of God at work in our life, where God can elevate us for his glory so that people can look at our life and see Jesus. You know, I believe that that is the healthy life that God calls us to be. It doesn't mean life won't suck sometimes. It doesn't mean that life won't be painful sometimes. It doesn't mean that things won't happen. But what it does is it enables us to be empowered through Christ and through the work of his spirit at work in our life to not just rise above it, but to rise above it in a way that says, God, you get this. This battle belongs to you. And so I'm going to stand, I'm going to crawl, I'm going to cry, I'm going to weep, but it's in your victory. And I'm going to praise you until I see the victory come to pass. I'm a work in progress. We all are. But Absalom sadly retaliated. And this is the beginning of his life sort of falling apart. And the second thing I note, and the last thing, I've got a few things to say about this, but I note about Absalom that I think can help us live a healthy life is don't be a rebel. Don't be a rebel. Don't be a rebel. You know, we watch TV shows and we watch movies where we celebrate the rebels like Star Wars. It's the rebellion and the Hunger Games. It's the rebellion, but, and it's great. And we make these people heroic and this idea of rebellion, it sounds so exciting, but I want to tell you today that the Bible likens rebellion to witchcraft. It doesn't say it is, but it likens it to it. And this might be a newsflash for some of us, but God isn't into rebellion. God doesn't like rebellion. God is into standing up for righteousness. He's into putting him first in every situation, but he's not into rebellion. Now, we've all maybe got different ideas of what rebellion means and what it looks like, and you might have heard the phrase rebel without a cause, but this is my definition. It's not necessarily biblical. It's not in the Oxford Dictionary. I didn't even Google it and come up with it, but I would say rebellion in this context is positioning yourself against the authority of God. And here is the reality for all of us. Church leaders like pastors, parents, governments, teachers, bosses are given authority by God. It doesn't mean they're always right. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything they say. But I firmly believe that when we rebel against these authorities, we cannot win because they were put in position by God. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother if you want to live long on the earth. It's the only, it's, well, it's not the only one, but it's the first commandment God gives to his people that comes with a promise. And there's no end date on it. It's not honor thy father and mother until you move out. It's not honor thy father and mother until you get married. It says honor thy father and mother. 
Jesus, they tried to catch Jesus out by saying, well, who should we pay our taxes to? Why should we pay that? And Jesus says, well, whose face is on the coin? Caesar. Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. In fact, Paul went further than that in Romans 13, 1 and 2. He said, obey the government for God is the one who has put it there. There is no government anywhere. That means Scotland, England, UK, America, Australia, China, anywhere. There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. So those who refuse to obey the law of the land are refusing to obey God and punishment will follow. How frightening is that? And this is written to Christians at a time when the Roman Empire was the government who were trying to wipe them all out. What is Paul trying to say? Why? Because rebellion is positioning yourself against the authority. Of God. We don't have to agree. We don't have to think they're always right. It doesn't mean you shouldn't write to government. It doesn't mean, but what it says is when you're positioning yourself against them, you're positioning yourself against the authority that God has given. That's terrifying. Because I don't want to ever be against God. And the reality is in Absalom's story, if we read on, and I'm going to read some verses in a moment, he positions himself against his father, King David. Now, King David is the man whom God had appointed. He wasn't perfect, but he's the man who God appointed as king of Israel. And as Absalom positions himself where he pretty much tries to start a rebellion against King David. And we read in 2 Samuel 15 verses 1 to 12. We have read it this week, but I'll read it now. It says, after this, Absalom, so a lot's happened to clarify. I'll give a bit of context. Absalom kills Amnon, goes into hiding, and then he comes back. He's restored to Israel, and everyone is kind of forgiven. But then it says, after this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment and I would give them justice. When the people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. After four years, Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And fulfill a, a vow I made to him. For while your servant was at Geshur and Aram, I promised a sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron. While he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he, went, he sent for Ahithophel, Thiphil, I can't pronounce that name, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo. Soon many others also joined Absalom, and the conspiracy gained momentum. Absalom, at this point in his life, has decided, I'm going to be the king. I'm taking matters into my own hands. So I'm going to oppose the authority that God gives and I'm going to try and trick my way into power. 
Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should never ask questions and we should never have our own views and you just take what people say at word value. That's not what I'm saying. But my prayer is that we won't have an attitude of rebellion in our heart. Because if we had read on, what then happens is, for time's sake I won't, David flees for a while and Absalom tries to declare himself king. And what happens is war ensues and it says hundreds of people die. And eventually Absalom dies. His head gets pretty horrible, to be honest. It's riding his horse as David's men come to battle with him and he ends up dead. And this might sound like a really serious thing to say, but please hear the heart of what I'm saying. The reason I pray that you don't be a rebel is because I believe rebellion will only ever lead to death. You see, it kills relationships, it kills those around us, and it kills us spiritually. Sadly, in the natural here, we find Absalom passes away. But whenever we try and appoint ourselves in opposition to the authority God gives, then you don't have any authority. Because here's the deal, as my, my pastor would say, my dad would say, God anoints and God appoints. So you might have the call of God in your life. You might think you could do a better job than the current leaders. You think you could be a better kids pastor than Jillian. You might think all of these things. But if you're the only person who thinks it, guess what you should do? Come and serve under Jillian and the kids team. You might have lots of great ideas, so come and serve under her authority. Don't position yourself and go and tell people about how great you are, but actually come and serve and learn under Jillian. Why? Because Absalom, who knows what Absalom's future could have been if he hadn't resisted the authority. But because he came and decided, I'm better than you, and he had that attitude, he became a rebel, which only led to death and destruction. And the reality is, I believe naturally we're all rebels at heart. Because I'm believing that nobody watching here always follows the speed limit. Nobody here always does everything right all of the time. In fact, I would, if you're saying that you are, then you're a rebel because you're lying. It's not true. So naturally, we're all, like, we've all touched the thing that they say. We've all watched on grass that says, don't walk on the grass. We've all done it at one point. Anytime there's a sign that says, don't do something, we've all done it at least once in our life. We've done something we shouldn't. And the reality is in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in a garden and they're given one instruction. Just don't eat the fruit from that tree. But rebellion kicked in and it led to death. Death entered this world. Cain and Abel, Cain didn't give a good sacrifice and he rebelled and it led to the death of his brother. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they were supposed to give their offerings, but they kept something back and lied about it. They rebelled and it led to death. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm not saying if you're a rebel, you're going to die. But the reality is we die spiritually. When we oppose God, he isn't able to use us. But the good news is that Jesus calls us out of rebellion and into obedience. I find it really sad, Absalom's story, I'm almost closing, because he had everything that was required to be used by God. The people liked him, the people listened to him. He had all the attributes needed, but his attitude was not healthy. So my prayer is that in life we'll choose not to retaliate, and we'll choose not to be a rebel. But instead we'll make a decision that we're going to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. 
and that we're going to be obedient and we can see the power of Christ at work in us so that we can live the healthy lives that God calls us to live. And we can see us moving in us and through us by his spirit and for his glory. So anyone this week, young people, old people, anyone who's got parents, honor them. Don't be a rebel. It doesn't mean don't ask questions. It doesn't mean you can't have your own views, but honor them. Choose not to be rebellious. Why? Because rebellion is only going to lead to destruction. At work, don't be a rebel. You might not, it's okay to ask questions, it's so, but just don't be a rebel. And when it comes to our governments and our leaders and our church, just don't be a rebel. And if you hear of any rebels, then get alongside them, encourage them and say, hey, remember the lessons of Absalom's story. Because Absalom, sadly, didn't step into everything God had for him. Because he made a decision to retaliate instead of trusting God for justice. And he had a rebel heart which led only to destruction and pain. And I don't want that to be your story and I don't want it to be my story. So I am going to pray and then we're going to worship and we're going to find out what's happening this week. But I'm going to pray for us right now. Father God, I thank you that though we are rebellious by nature, that your spirit can enter into us and encourage us to step into the obedience that you have. Father God, I pray this week not to, that we don't minimize anything that people go through, God, but in every situation we make the choice we're not going to retaliate. That if we have to get on our knees and pray, then we'll do it. But we'll do whatever it takes to trust you. Not to take things into our own hands, but to trust you that you will work all things out. Father God, I pray for everyone, Father God, who maybe has been rebellious or isn't rebellious. Father God, that they'll just, something of your spirit will impact them. Where they will step away from rebellion and step into obedience. That we'll choose to honor instead of dishonor. That we will choose unity over disunity. Father God, in order that we can see you at work in our lives, so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done here on this earth as we've been singing and as we pray. Father God, I thank you for everyone listening to this, God. I pray, Father God, that you guide them and show them your peace and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.